Hello and welcome to The Northern Connection, a podcast about books. In each episode, we chat to writers about their inspirations, their favourite books and their own Northern Connections. This episode is hosted by Jules, Rebecca and myself, Emma. And we catch up with debut novelist Chris Cars Wilson to talk about his book, Frey. Here's Jules to tell you a bit more about Chris. Chris Cars Wilson lives in Dundee. During his 15-year media career, he has created global public relations campaigns, including the opening of VNA Dundee, where he works as communications manager. Chris has run for 30 years, sometimes quickly, sometimes competitively, but always to constructively manage his own mental health. This is his debut novel, which he wrote over the course of several years in secret 20-minute bursts while on the bus to and from work. He missed his stop more often than he cares to admit. Welcome to the Northern Connection, Chris. Please, can you tell us about your new book, Frey? Um, Hello, thank you very much for having me on. So Frey is my first book and it's just come out recently and it tells the story of a father who flees to the highlands of Scotland uh, and his grown-up child who chases after. The child who's an adult um, is hoping obviously to find the father, to get there, to rescue him, but all they discover is an abandoned cottage filled with thousands of paper notes describing how the father's convinced that his wife, who's just recently died, is somehow in the hills, in the weather, in the light, somehow there to be found and brought back. So the story plays between the diary of the narrator trying to find their father and then these increasingly troubling notes of the father. And it's looking at the characters and it's looking at their particular situation, but it's it's also looking at mental health more broadly and hopefully you know, giving readers a way to be immersed in what the characters are going through while also possibly thinking a bit uh, about themselves as well. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. It's it's really intense. I found it, it almost like being inside the characters' heads. Um, can you tell us where the idea for the book came from? Yeah, so, so it started on a family holiday up in Glencoe, out, out to the west of Scotland, where the Highlands starts to get really wild. So it's it's an incredible landscape of, you know, a thousand metre high mountains. And I was out and uh, went on a run and was kind of climbing up thinking, you know, go out and enjoy the views, maybe try and get up to to the peak of one of the, the Munro mountains that are there. And about halfway up, the weather turned and it was really a really frightening experience all the visibility went it was incredibly you know torrential rain the wind was up so i had to kind of bail out and get down the mountain because it was you know going up any further would have been would have been dangerous would have been really really silly what happened in that moment you know i've been thinking for a long time about wanting to commit to writing a novel, like commit to uh, doing a, a longer piece of writing. 
but I was struggling for my start. I was struggling for, to know how to get into it. And in that moment, you know, being out there feeling so small against the mountains and so, you know, helpless against the weather, that just gave me the start to, say, to think, right, this is, you know, this is almost what an internal mental health experience feels like, but seen externally, seen out in the real world, see the storm and the dark clouds and everything else. And I came back from that run and on my phone tapped out what's now the first page of the book and everything everything just rolled on from there. That's great. I was it, That's just making me think, because I've just been to Glencoe recently for the first time and it's so beautiful, isn't it? Um, but I went out there walking on my own and um, had a moment like that where the cloud closed in and, and it, it, mm. it is quite scary. It, it really is. And, and there's something, I mean, the, the book isn't, yeah, isn't ex, you know doesn't say where it is. It describes being in the Scottish Highlands, but it's not you know specifically located in Glencoe. Although I've kind of taken bits of that landscape and you know mixed it with others, and then developed something else entirely new from it. But what I find really fascinating, so I, I live over on the east. I live just outside Dundee, and when you're driving up there, you know it gets it gets progressively more stunning and more beautiful and incredible but it, it just gets bigger and the land rises up around you. And just as you go on, you just feel smaller and smaller and smaller as you're coming up into it. And it's quite, um, you know, it's, it's beautiful, but it's raw and it's very, it's very full on. I and mean, it's dangerous as well. You know, people sadly do, do die there on, on those mountains every year. Um, but it's quite, Quite an unbelievable landscape, and as I say, it gave me that just that little kickstart. So, right, if I want to, as you say, write uh, write something intense, and I always did, then this, um, you know, this is an incredibly intense landscape to to set it in to start it off. Yeah, it's a perfect description of it. Um, we were really interested in your initial writing process and how you did it mostly in secret. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. The, I mean, I've I've always written writing something that is is, is very important to me, and along with with running, which is another theme that goes throughout the book. They're two things that I've always had that have helped me manage my own mental health and my own challenges. And I've, you know, really, as you say, really just written in secret for, I mean, as long as I can remember. So 20, 30 years of quite serious, dedicated um, writing of fiction and nonfiction, various things that, you know, and, until I started this book, frankly, weren't terribly good. They were great apprentice ship but they weren't um they were never a standard that i was striving towards but i think the important point there the thing about process is i was writing because i needed to and i was writing because it was something that was important to me and the point about being in secret is you know i never started writing fray with any any expectation that it could be published and it's incredible that that it has been now but with never with any never with any sense that that was the point of the writing like the writing had to be important in and of itself 
So I was I was keeping it secret purely because it was for me at that point. You know, it was a personal challenge, but it was also a way of me putting onto the page and, you know, dealing with some of my own challenges. As that progressed, you know, and as that went on, I think I came to see that the value that I was getting from it actually readers could get as well. You know, maybe there was something else here. But from the start, it was very much me up the mountain, then coming back down and tapping out the first page on my phone. And then after that, um, because I was working, so this was back 2016, and I was working in Dundee on the V&A Dundee Design Museum, which was a couple of years away from being opened and work was totally all consuming so the only time I had in my day was the bus journey to work and back from work so I would write in these 10-15 minute really sort of short sharp bursts but again in secret for myself nobody for the first four years until I'd finished the first draft nobody else knew about it at all. So you've partly answered this next question with what you've just said but in the book uh, the protagonist's father is writing to make sense of his thoughts and the protagonist does the same. So do you find that the writing process is important for your own mental health? Yeah, it, it, re it really is. And I think it's, you know, I'm quite, I'm quite a fan of the idea that, you know, forcing yourself to write something down, not just Sean, you know, tweet probably doesn't count but forcing yourself to write at length about anything challenges you to really I don't know come closer to what you really think about it you know to to try and articulate anything you know it's a an opinion or a, a, a view that you might have on the world to, to write about it is to give it shape and is to work out you know what you really what you really think what you're really committed to and I think there's something there about you know de developing personal experience through fiction and that I think can be very th therapeutic but there's also just something about the sense of control and the ownership of writing anything you know it could be a poem could be short stories um for me this time at least it was a novel but that sense of owning that space and owning those characters and solving all the problems about you know the plotting and the order and how do you maintain you know as we've talked about that intensity that it was always something i was totally committed to to readers feeling when they um when they read the book admittedly the reader to start with was only me but yeah, that developed as it went on um but the the process of writing there's something very i think there's something very healthy about it um and that's probably why i've always been drawn back to it yeah thanks um the the landscape and the setting um afraid they were almost like characters in themselves um and I know you sort of mentioned how you had like that initial spark of inspiration after a run um would, would you always have been in, inspired to write about mountains or, or this particular location have mountains always been special for you 
I think um, that's a really interesting question. I'm I'm interested in, in nature, you know, in all of its forms. And for this story, which was which is about challenge and it's about adversity and it's about how you, how any of us might respond to that, deal with it, possibly overcome it, possibly not overcome it, possibly be beaten by it. I think that really severe, brutal landscape just fitted with it. It just fitted really well. Um, But I find that in, you know, in everything I write, I'm always coming back to a natural environment in some ways. And and it's, it's something I don't think I kind of saw before when, you know, say 10, 20 years ago when I was writing other bits and pieces or, you know, maybe when I was um, at university in, in Edinburgh and, you know, my writing then, things I was playing around with probably was more drawn to a city environment just because of where I was. But I I like writing about the outdoors. I like forests. I like mountains. I mean, it's these are spaces I'm drawn to, so it's possibly why I feel most comfortable writing about them. I also just find them interesting. I just think there's a lot that you can explore and I think there's there's just a fascination I have about the you know the interaction between us as people and a natural landscape which we can't and shouldn't control and I think that's an amazing space to try and create story in yeah I mean that really your absolute respect for the mountains and and you know that really came across in the book <laughs> yeah and, and i think there's something there as well i was talking to some a friend about this recently that there's, there's total respect but there's also you know i'm not i'm not a mountaineer i'm not yeah. skilled i'm not an outdoor mountain climber one of these incredible people who are you know safer than than the average person in you know in the middle of winter or whatever so when I write about those spaces I am scared of them you know I don't I couldn't take a map and a compass and navigate myself out of a tricky situation you know I couldn't safely go up a mountain in the dead of winter I was safe as that can ever be so you know I'm I'm scared of those places as much as I love them and as beautiful as I find them and I think if i if I wasn't, you know, if I was a, sort of a competent, more competent outdoors person, probably the book would be less um, less exciting. I think it might be a little, <laughs> little, bit, a little bit straighter. I don't know. Um, but it's, yeah, that's real. And, and, you know, come back to the point earlier about that intensity and how it feels and feeling like you're in the characters' heads. Yeah. You know, that that's partly, I mean, I'm not the narrator, um, but it's partly... In you know that first moment on the run in the storm, the thing was how do I you know how do I use language on a page to bring someone to feel what I'm feeling now, yeah. um, and I just think that's a really I just think that's a really incredible creative challenge to try and deal with. I, I think you did it really successfully because I had to keep reminding myself it wasn't autobiographical. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, thank goodness it isn't because it would be a, a terrible yeah. position for anybody to be in, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, yes, thank you. Yeah. And you've kind of touched on this a little bit with your previous answers, but where does your writing inspiration usually come from? Yeah, it's, it, it's a really interesting one. It comes from 
from lots of different places. I mean, again, as I was saying, you know, nature is a is a big thing for me. Um, uh, as is dealing with mental health. You know, the before I had the the spark that started me on writing Frey, what became Frey, I the the two things that were in my head was that I wanted to commit to writing a longer work. So I was, you know, I was I was irritated in a way. I was I tried lots of other shorter things and tried starting the beginnings of novels and, and just none of it had ever stuck. It just it hadn't worked. So I, I knew there was that challenge there that I wanted to deal with. But the other part of it is I knew I wanted to write about mental health in in a way that was open and honest. The thing I probably didn't realise, you know, until until that moment that when the book started was actually that fiction is my way of doing that. You know, that's my way of, of being open and honest about something, even though it's not, you know, actually real as such. But the inspiration is um is being outside, you know, it's being it's being in that space or it's being in a forest by yourself at different times of year or in different weathers, and just seeing how those natural spaces change and seeing how they you know, change hour to hour, never mind sort of week to week or month to month. I think that's something I, that I'll, I'll never tire of. You know, there's always going to be something there that I can start writing about. Yeah. And are you able to tell us what you're working on next? I, I can. I can t- tell a little. Um, so I, I've been I've been very fortunate that uh, Creative Scotland, which is the arts funding body up here, like the Arts Council in England, um, gave me some money gave me a grant towards my second book so again we're, we're we're back in nature it's completely unconnected to the first but there unlike the first one dealing which is dealing with grief and mental health through fiction this is looking at autism so i had i received a diagnosis as being autistic about a year and a half ago after i'd finished fray which really for the first time kind of unlocked and started explaining the challenges that I've always had and that I've always lived with. So the next creative challenge is how can I use fiction to look at least a part of what it is to be autistic and what that experience is. And the the fascinating thing I think for a writer, but also for me as an autistic person, is the variety of ranges of experience that being autistic covers is is vast. It's absolutely endless. So what I'm working on at the moment is looking at multiple generations of the same family where there is where there's autism in different relatives in different ways, but also thinking then by doing it over a period of time that'll be pretty much a hundred years thinking about how understanding has changed and sadly how actually in many ways it possibly hasn't or hasn't improved and looking at prejudice and looking at intolerance so that's the that's the space that I'm working in um and then the final bit is this time it's a forest not a mountain so there's, there's a bit of a shift but um it's still very much looking at how um about how we interact with nature and the and the benefits of that sounds great 
Yeah, it sounds fascinating. And it really interesting if you're going to, you know, if you do take that 100-year span, because like you said, I can't Im- can't even begin to think what attitudes were like yeah, and way I, back. And, and I think what I'm wanting to do, what I've started doing, and, you know, look, it's early days, we'll, we'll see... We'll see how the book develops. There's there's a huge amount of work that still needs to go into it, but I think what what I find what I've started with is the first time period is before really any scientists so the 1930s before there were really any scientific papers about anything to do with autism or sort of naming autism because that came in the 1940s, um, and then looking at different through the characters and through their fictionalised circumstances, looking at a different, couple of different stages coming right up to today. Mm. Uh, and again, that's not going to be me, but it will be, it is being very closely informed by you know, my experiences of living for 40 years and not understanding something incredibly fundamental to the way my brain works, which is um, is quite, quite different to, to the vast majority of other people. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm a primary school teacher, actually. And Mm. I would say even in the last, I don't know, seven seven years, which is really not that long when you think of, um, you know, the the, the time span you're looking at, the the way that things have changed so much. And and, uh, I guess as a profession, how much more we understand, how much more we understand about the children in front of us, it's... um, it's humbling but it you know mm-hmm. there's still so so much work to be done on yeah. it and I, you know i think that book will obviously help um you know to bring experiences to the mainstream yeah and and i think so that's really interesting to hear that i, I think part of what i'm kind of fascinated by is certainly growing up so you know growing up in the in the 80s and then the 90s anything i heard heard about autism would have never you know which was little you know if if not hardly anything at all um didn't mean anything to me you know didn't connect to my experience but again because the 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 range of what it means to be autistic or how that can present in any different individual is so incredibly vast And, and and that's that's one of the challenges of it um so it's you know, I agree. I think there's been there's been a real there's definitely been a social shift. I think social media's yeah have been a very positive force in 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 raising awareness and generating some acceptance. Um, but it's it's still such early days. There's still so so far to go. Yeah, and um, we as massive bookworms, we always like to ask people what they're reading. So, would you tell us what you're currently reading? Yeah, well, so so the the answer to this, which is is not trying to cheat at all, the answer is nothing because I've been <laughs> trying to launch my book and it's been exhausting. Yeah. But what I do have, I've, so I've got two, you know, I've, I've, I've probably like uh, all of you and many people listening at home, you know, a mountain of things next to my bed to read. But the, the two that are really ready to go, and I'm not sure which to go uh, for first. Um, are shy so the new max porter book max is somebody i really just completely love and, and admire yeah. um but the other one is cuddy um, by benjamin myers um because i was down in annick just last week at the accidental bookshop 
um, and their booksellers were doing a great job of, of selling that one on me. So, um, so I have that right next to me, and I'm, that's a bit bigger than Shy. So Shy might get the first go, but they're, they're the next two at least. Well, I, I was very luckily got invited to a, a Faber um, event a couple of months ago, and Max Porter was there, and he did a, a reading from Shy. And I don't know whether he's done the audio book. I hope that he has because his reading of it was fantastic. Um, he's he's remarkable. Yeah. There's something there's something about um, there's something about the way he when he reads his own work. He reads other people's incredibly well, also. But um, it's just the conviction and the total total commitment is I mean, admirable. He's he's remarkable. Mm. Lanny is one of my favourite ever books. I just, just in awe of Lanny. <laughs> yeah, well, so and Lanny's really important to me. So in the in the acknowledgements at the end of Frey, I give thanks to to Max um, and to George Saunders as well, because Lanny and then uh, later on Lincoln and the Bardo that George wrote that uh, won the Booker Prize. Each of those, I, I didn't know I, of either author before I started uh, writing Frey, but. Each I read each book at different times, but at points when I'd kind of basically given up on my own writing, you know, I just I kind of thought it was no good, and this was like another project that wasn't working, and I'd have to just dump it and, and take a breath, and then maybe start something else instead. And there's something about each book, and just they're just so brave, and they're just so incredibly. I don't, I don't know, commit, commitment's maybe the word again. You know, they're so committed to how beautiful language and literature can be and how important it can be. Yeah. And and they're, com- they're just unlike anything else. And reading Lanny and then reading Lincoln the Bardo was like, right, okay, if, if they can take these risks, if they can commit themselves to just putting everything on the page, like, mm-hmm. I just have to keep going. Like yeah. even you know, again at that point I wasn't showing anyone it was a secret, but um even if nobody ever sees it, I need to see this through to the end. So I've they, they are both thanked in the book because without them I would never have finished it. It's a shame Rachel couldn't make it tonight because Lincoln in the Bardo, well, these two are gonna start laughing, but uh, Lincoln in the Bardo is one of Rachel's favourite books. She absolutely loves oh, right. it and I didn't like it. And we always have a massive oh, really? okay. and she keeps telling well. me that I need to read it again to get get it well, i keep saying well, well, i will but okay well look i'll i'll um i'll politely agree with rachel and think <laughs> she has fantastic taste um but what I, do you know what i would say is um try the audiobook right yeah so i'll do that yes yeah. it, it's and and i'm not I'm, I'm i don't tend to do audiobooks so much i mean i really i love physical books i love you know the words on the page that's that's a big thing for me but what's fascinating is because, you know, Lincoln Bard is this collection of different voices, there's a mix of historical texts and a mix of characters and all sorts of things. To hear it read and to hear it read, but it's like something like 160 actors or something did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it, it's totally different. Yeah. Like a, so, you know, you can ima- I could imagine somebody maybe not quite getting the book, but loving the audiobook or vice versa um so I, yeah i'd highly highly recommend yeah i'll do that incredible. thank you um please could you recommend a book or an author with a northern connection yeah so i, I thought this was a really interesting one i'm 
going to keep it to somebody else who's been on the podcast. So I'm going to say Caro Giles, who wrote 12 Moons. Um, she's she's also with um, Harper North, who published Frey. But you know, more than that, she's just incredible. Her writing about family and nature and, you know, the challenges of single parenting, but also about illness um, and autism, I just... It's just perfect, um, and I I really really loved that book. So um, yeah, she she gets my shout. Yeah, that's a wonderful. After reading her book, I just I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, it, it stays with you. I mean, it's like um, yeah, you know, it, it's a very different book, but um, I know uh, you know Amy Liptrot um, was what you know endorsed Caro's book, um, and it's that sort of. It's that caliber of memoir that is it just lives with you you know you're not gonna um it changes something about you to read a book that good um yeah. and it gives you for me at least you know giving me a totally different perspective but it's also her her control language is is, is phenomenal so yeah it's it's wonderful if any if any listeners haven't picked it up i'd really recommend it yeah that's great thank you thanks for that chris and so to just finish off um, would you be able to read us an extract from Frey? Yeah, so I'm going to finish with the start of the book. So, you know, to go back a little bit in our conversation, this is page one. This is what I wrote after that run. So coming down from the mountain, still wet and cold, getting my phone out and bar a couple of words. This is exactly the same as that day back in 2016. Sometimes all you can do is climb to the peak of the nearest mountain and scream at the top of your voice, devil, 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 that might buy you some more time to run. This was the first note I read, not long after discovering the cottage you'd been hiding in for nearly a year, or perhaps not hiding, but certainly hidden. Dad disappeared shortly after Mum died, shortly after I drove him away. He took her death badly, but not in the usual sense. Dad didn't believe in the truth of it. He thought she was elsewhere, not gone, but discoverable. He thought she was there to be found. And I found, eventually, this near derelict abandoned cottage hidden in the forests and mountains of northern Scotland, somewhere they used to go before I was born, but somewhere we never went as a family. A special place, but a hidden place even then. Inside was a sea of writing spread over every surface, crude hand-drawn maps and ripped pieces of paper thrown everywhere, a giant jigsaw tipped out of its box. That's fascinating. Thank you very much for that. No, you are very welcome. Thank you, Chris, so much for, for joining us on the Northern Connection. It's been really, really brilliant to talk and just wishing you lots and lots of success with Frey. Thank you very much.